Jesus Christ, my living hope. What a song to sing. And that's the truth. That's the truth. And he loves us so much. Uh, we're still looking at the beautiful peacocks here. Look at the lovely, lovely pen that I got. And another card today. Where at that card with a beautiful peacock. I think the Lord wants to remind us of, of the beauty that he sees in us, the colour, the vibrancy. What he sees in you ladies, he doesn't see dullness and unattractiveness. He's made you beautifully and wonderfully created in his image. You're beautiful, you're colourful, you're, you're vibrant in God. And he wants you to know that. And I just think it's important to remind ourselves that we can fly. We're here as eagles. We can fly. And God wants us to rise up above the stuff and to enjoy the ride with him. To enjoy what it's like to be born up on eagle's wings. It can lift you up above anything that's going on in your life right now. And you know, we're continuing with David, but I have to tell you girls, we haven't got very far. Because I just could not get past this whole thing with Saul and Ziglag and David. And you know, the, the last couple of chapters in 1 Samuel, and then the first couple of chapters in 2 Samuel. And honestly, I was away, zooming away on down, and I just felt, I can't get past this. I really felt this week like God said, no, don't go any further. I really felt that he gave me something this week. And primarily it's for my own heart, but I really feel that God wants to do something in our hearts. You see, before we go on to be those mighty women, we have to have our hearts right. And last week we talked about the heart checkup, about examining our hearts, about how David always said, search me, O God, and try me and check out my heart, see if there's any wicked way or anxious way in me. He was constantly having heart checkups. And we need to be women who do that. And I just felt this morning that God wanted to remind us of some stuff. So uh, we're, we're kind of, we're, we're mo moving a wee bit forward, but we're still kind of going back over some stuff. You'll see in your notes that I've said that in times of difficulty and distress, that Saul persistently turned away from God and tried to cover up his sin and blame others for the outcome of his own wrong choices. And because he turned away from God on a persistent basis, and we haven't time to read through those chapters, but you can see it in 1 Samuel 13, and I've given you all the references. You can see where God turned away from Saul and began to look for a man who was a man after his own heart. And God wants us to be women who are women after his own heart. And when he looked, he found a young boy called David. And he said that he was a, a man that he was going to put on the throne, who was going to rule Israel instead of Saul. Now, the thing that I question I'm asking myself and I'm asking you as well is, what is the posture of your heart towards God? Are you like David? Do you cling to God and trust him in good times and in bad times? Because so often, we, it's one or the other, so often we can praise him in the good times and then the bad times we, we think he hasn't come through and we turn away from him. And God doesn't want us to be like that. In Psalm 18, we see so much of David's heart. I would love that I could read you, and I will read you bits and pieces of this as we go through, but maybe not just at the moment. But you'll see how he loved God and how he trusted God in good times and bad times. And we saw, I'm just kind of recapping here to get to what I really feel God's put in my heart. So we're going to look at Saul's heart and remind ourselves that God often spoke to Saul through the prophet Samuel. 
And it's very interesting that the very last conversation that Samuel had with Saul was to give him a message that God had torn the kingdom from him. And you can read that in 1 Samuel 15. And you see, Saul had been lying, he'd been pretending, he'd been, he'd been pretending to God and pretending to Samuel that he had done what God had asked him, but he hadn't. And he was putting on a show, he wasn't being real. And here's what Samuel said to him, this is in the words of the message, uh, 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 to 23. This was the last conversation that Samuel had with Saul. He said, do you think all God wants are sacrifices? Empty, empty rituals just for show. God wants you to listen to him. Plain listening is the, th is the thing. Not staging a lavish religious production. Not doing, what God tells you, not doing what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. Now we kind of tend to label sins and we think the occult's the very worst. What God was saying through Samuel was that not listening to God was actually worse than the occult. Because if you're not listening to God, you're listening to the enemy who is the occult. So not listening to God, that what God tells you is far worse than fooling around in the occult. And getting self-important around God is far worse than making deals with your dead ancestors. So he was, he was really speaking very directly to Saul because Saul had become very self-important. And then Samuel had said to Saul, because you said no to God's command, he says no to your kingship. That was a very serious, heavy message, the last message that Samuel had given to Saul. And actually, in your translation, if you look it up, probably in a lot, most of the translations, it actually says that rebellion is the same as the sin of witchcraft. That means rebellion from God, turning away from God, rebelling with what he says and doing what you think is okay. That is the same as, as witchcraft. And I want you to keep that in your mind because we're going to see that Saul started off rebelling against God, doing it his own way, full of his own importance. See, Samuel knew, uh, Saul knew what Samuel had told him time and time again, that God wanted him to listen and obey him. And if, if, if Saul had stopped and turned to God in repentance, everything would have changed, but he didn't. He let negative emotions of jealousy and bitterness settle in his heart so that it became like granite in his heart. And because it settled in his heart, you know whenever cement settles, it becomes solid, doesn't it? And that's what happens when we allow wrong emotions to settle in our heart long enough to set like cement. And that's what happened to him. And that's why we're going to see today that at the end of his life, that that stuff had actually settled and had become part of who he was. And that's why he lost out on everything. That's why he lost his position. That's why God couldn't have him on the throne. And listen, ladies, I am not saying that, that all of us are great, guilty sinners and that we're all full of bitterness, but I'll tell you, I believe there are traces of it in our hearts. And I believe that God has given me this message primarily for my own heart because I really believe this morning that God said he wants us to be rid of a lot of stuff <laughs> so that we can be free to be the woman that he wants us to be. And, and, and Saul, sadly Saul had let anger and bitterness settle in his heart. And even though, even though Samuel had warned him, it didn't stop him pursuing David 
and chasing him in the wilderness and trying to kill him, he kept going on. He allowed this stuff to settle. And I just want to look at a few verses about these wrong emotions because anger and bitterness really comes around out of unforgiveness. It comes around when we don't forgive someone and we become resentful and that anger begins to settle and seize until it turns into bitterness. And bitterness to me, it always reminds me of rust. It rusts, it, it, it actually puts rust in our spirit. And you know, a rusty door is hard to move and it creaks. And God wants to rust us up inside with wrong attitudes and wrong feelings. And please listen to me this morning, this is about me first. Because I recognise, and you know, God has been showing me some of the thoughts and intents of my heart that I didn't even know were there. And it starts with little attitudes, little wrong attitudes, judging people, criticising people. I've been listening to Bill Johnston just this past few nights, going to bed, putting the thing in my ear and going to bed, listening to him. And he, he's been talking a lot about this and he's been talking about how, you know, a lot of people have spoken out against him. And, you know, and even people who love Jesus and who preach the gospel have spoken against him. And he has said how God has convicted him to get his heart right towards those people. And he said how often he would see names as he would go through, you know, books, maybe magazines, advertising conferences or whatever. And he would say, he would go through and he would see certain names and immediately would rise up something maybe that he knew about that person or something that he felt, you know, angry about. And he said he began to pass over the pages and think, well, Lord, I'm not, I'm not saying anything against them. I'll pass over quickly, not look at it. And he felt God said, stop, go back and look at that name. Look at that picture. And look at it long enough until you feel my love for that person coming up in your heart. Do you know what? God loves the people that you think you're angry with just as much as he loves you. And God wants, I believe he really wants to do something in our hearts. Because see this, see this, these wrong feelings and judging other people. Bill Johnson said his father, who was also a pastor... He said his father always said, never judge anybody's intentions or anybody's motives until you've washed their feet. And he said, when you've washed somebody's feet, you'll begin to understand why they walk the way they do. You know, we all come through hard times and we all have our own weak quirks and our own weak attitudes and God's constantly trying to speak and pour his love into us and align us with his heart so that we can show the love of God, that we can show the, the supernatural reaction when people treat us badly. It's not natural. It's not natural to love your enemies, but Jesus said we were to do it. And God wants to make us women who are overcoming these little, these little foxes that will spoil us that will spoil the vine, these little things that will rob you of your destiny. And I felt that God said to me this morning, this wasn't so much even just about talking about this, these wrong emotions and leaving it there, but it was to point out to you that if you let these wrong emotions continue to be in your heart, even in the little lurking crevices of your heart, that it's going to rob you of your destiny. It's going to rob you of the joy of serving God and seeing fruitfulness in your life. It's going to rust you up from the inside. And God wants us free and he wants to pour his oil of love and his oil of gladness over us so everything is is flowing and smooth and it's like a well-oiled engine with no rust 
And God wants us. I believe this morning, I really believe he told me, stop, do not go past this because this is important. If we want mighty women to rise up, then we've got to get started with the very intents of our hearts. We've got to get right in here. We've got to become women who are walking in purity. And we can't do that without the Holy Spirit. And we've got to choose that we want to do it and we want the Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us. We want God's Holy Spirit to pour it over us that we can become women like that, that we can forgive those who have trespassed against us. Why? Because he has forgiven us for all the times that we have trespassed against him. And God, I believe, wants to do something beautiful this morning. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. The New Living Translation says, A peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Listen, apart from the fact of our spiritual testimony, if we want our bodies physically to flourish, bitterness will actually affect our insides. It will affect our bones. It will affect our organs. It will dry us up. It, will, it, will, it gives a, an opening for the enemy to come in and wreck our bodies. And we need to be aware of that. Proverbs 27 and 4 says, Anger is cruel and wrath is like a flood, but jealousy is even more dangerous. And jealousy comes out very often because uh, we're self-seeking and we, maybe that person has wounded us or maybe they're getting promotion and we're not. And we need, to, we need to actually check our hearts out in our attitudes and how we think of other people so that we can bless them that are doing better than we are. James 3, I really felt I had to read this to you uh, and I want to read it to you in a couple of translations because I really feel this is important for us to see this and how uh, dangerous it is to have these feelings. It says in James 3 um, verse 14, But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying, for jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. So there's another kind of wisdom that isn't God's wisdom. That's the wisdom that tells you you've got every right to be angry and you've got every right to have negative feelings about that person. That's the wisdom of this world. That's the wisdom that the enemy wants you to listen to. It says, jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. You see, we need to understand that when we feel these things and we think, oh, there's nothing wrong in that, she has rubbed me up the wrong way, or she's done me a bad turn, or she's not a good person, and we start to judge the person, and we begin to see that, we begin to make a judgment on their motives and their intents, and we, we say, well, she's just doing that because, and we're starting to judge somebody else. Do you know what happens? It, we actually walk in right into the demonic, and we're given demonic powers a place in our heart that's why in ephesians chapter 4 it says we're not to give place to the to the devil it's possible for even a believer to give a place to the enemy to open ourselves up to the demonic because we speak evilly and wrongly about someone else because we don't nobody else has the right to judge the intents of another person's heart because we can't see the intents of another person's heart. We can make a false judgment because we're human. Only God can see what's in someone's heart and it's a very dangerous thing. And I tell you, I am speaking to myself today more than anyone because do you know what? I don't want, do not want to give the enemy any room in my heart or my life and I know you don't either. And I feel today it's a bit like sounding an alarm that the enemy's coming in from all these little 
these little back doors. He's coming in in what seem to be harmless ways to, to come in and give us this self-righteous attitude that Jesus hated. And he's, he's, the enemy is trying to rob us. We were talking in the prayer room earlier about how Jesus said he was a thief and he wanted to steal and kill and destroy. And that's exactly what he wants to do with your life. He does not want you to go on. He does not want you to know the joy of the Lord as your strength and to know what it's like, like to live for him and to really experience his power in your life. In Ephesians 4, it says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. And anger, when we hold on to it, there is a righteous anger which is angry against the thing that offend God. That's a righteous anger, but it doesn't turn into resentment. It's something that, that, that actually prompts us to be more like Jesus and to show the love of God above evil. But this anger that we hold on to, that, that, we, that we turns to resentment and becomes into bitterness, it will freeze us up, girls. It will, it will actually make us like statues on the inside. It will become like cement that will set, that we can't actually respond to God and hear God. This is what happened to Saul. It says in, in Ephesians 4, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger harsh words and slander as well as all types of evil behavior instead be kind to each other tender-hearted forgiving one another just as god through christ has forgiven you that's what god wants from his mighty woman that's what god is calling for and you know that's why in matthew 18 you know the story where jesus said about the man who'd been forgiven of the great debt and then he went out and he found someone who owed him something. And remember, he wouldn't forgive him. What happened at the end of that story? When the, when the master came, he turned him over to the tormentors. He ended up in a prison house with tormentors. It's actually referring to the demonic. And if we want to be free of demonic powers having an influence over our life and stealing from us and actually trying to destroy us, kill us, if we want to be free of that, then we've got to get rid of this stuff. We've got to say, Lord, search me. Search my heart. Show me anything that's not right, because, Lord, I want to repent of it, and I want to, I want to bring it before you and wash me and cleanse me and keep me going forward. Galatians 5 tells us all the fruits that are of the flesh, our own flesh, our own nature. There's so many more in those verses we could look up, but we haven't time to look them up. I really encourage you to read these verses when you get home. But here's the thing. If we allow these feelings to have place in our hearts, do you know what? We're going to end up like Saul. We're going to end up being rebellious against God, and we're going to end up going the wrong direction, listening to the wrong voice, and we're not going to walk into our destiny. I've written in your notes, you will be chasing the wrong enemy, and you will be in rebellion towards God. Saul sadly allowed negative emotions to settle in his heart. And at the very end of his life, and we've been looking at it over the last few weeks, we've been looking how at the end of his life, he cried out, if you remember, he cried out to God, and he, God didn't speak to him. And if you remember, then he turned to try and speak to Samuel. He ended up with no one to help him. The very man that he had chased into the wilderness and tried to kill, David, if he, had, if he hadn't been so jealous, if he, had, if he had accepted David and shown him kindness, if he had enjoyed the relationship with David, you know what? David would have been there to help him. But you know what, what Saul was doing? He was chasing the wrong enemy. And I want to talk to you today just for one moment about the danger of chasing the wrong enemy. Because your enemy is not a person. 
And I think that's so important. Listen, your enemy is not a person. It's not a group of people. Your enemy is a demonic. Your enemy are the powers that operate through people. And whenever you're being, whenever you're being attacked by someone, you need to bind the works of the enemy through that person. And you need to show love and kindness and goodness and pray for that person and see who the true enemy is. And if we could start to do that, we could start to pray like David. We could start to realise that it's okay to be angry with the enemy, the true enemy, but not with God's people. Not with human, human beings. God wants us to show his love to those around us, but he wants us to bind the enemy, to know who the real enemy is. And God wants us to understand this. You see, Saul had been chasing the wrong enemy. And at the end of his life, he didn't have anyone to turn to. And if you remember last week, and I'm going to start reading a few verses now in a moment, but I want to tell you, last week we ended up at the end of chapter uh, 31, where Saul was, uh, sorry, we actually looked at second, at First Samuel 28, and we saw the, the end of Saul, where he actually sunk so low that he went to a medium. He called for a seance. And I just want to read a couple of verses from that uh, as well before we continue with the, the rest of uh, our talk today. You see, during Saul's life, so long as it didn't affect him, he was happy enough to, to stand by God's laws. And God's laws said that he must put all the mediums and all the people who were involved in the occult out of the land. Deuteronomy 18 says this, Do not let your people practice fortune-telling or using sorcery or interpret, interpret those who would interpret omens or engage in um, witchcraft or cast spells or function as mediums or psychics or call forth the spirits of the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Now Saul had been, he'd been faithful to put the, these kind of people out of the land. So he had put God's law in place and he had put them out of the land until he needed one himself. And this is the trouble so often. We're very self-righteous about, about doing things, but actually when it comes to us, there's one law for everybody else and another law for us. Isn't that right? And that's what exactly what, what he did here. Instead of turning to the Lord, even at this point, in, in humility and in, 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 a, in a real sense of repentance, if he had done that, who knows how this might all have turned out if his heart had finally been right. But remember, he had been fostering and this, this bitterness had been festering for years and years and years. And I believe it had settled like cement so that when the end of his time came, he wasn't able to actually be real before God. What an awful way to live our life. I believe God wants me to actually just bring this to you this morning. What's in your heart? What is settling? What is beginning to settle in your heart? I believe that we need to be, we need to be really bringing our hearts to God and saying, Lord, search me. And show me, and I'll tell you, if we do that, God will start to show us little areas and things that we have overlooked. And attitudes and those words that we speak against people and we say, oh, she's no good or she did that or she just did that because of this. Or We start making these judgments and God doesn't like it, girls. It doesn't please him. It's not what he wants. He wants us to love each other the way he loves us. 
And it's only love that will overcome. And we, he does not want a, a group of bitter women who are, who are talking about God and praising God, but yet firing out words of condemnation and speaking in critical ways and judging people. He doesn't want it. It grieves him. It grieves the Holy Spirit. And if we want to be mighty women, we've got to get these things sorted in our hearts. And I tell you, I'm asking God to sort it in me. And this is primarily for me this morning. Because I want to be pure and I want to fulfill my destiny. And I don't want my heart all seized up with wrong emotions. Do you know what happens? Whenever you see someone in old age and you begin to see stuff coming out that you had never realised was in there, that's my greatest fear, that there'll be stuff I didn't deal with. And as an old woman, it'd be so cranky and coming out everybody says, where'd that come from? Because what's in there, if we don't deal with it, it's going to come out whenever all our inhibitions. We can cover up, you see, right now. But once you get older, you can't cover up. Isn't that right, Ethel? And Ethel, look at Ethel, front row, Ethel, every, every week, front row to the front. I love your heart, Ethel. You're hungering after God. And that's what he wants. He wants it even in old age, that we're hungering after God and where the love for God is flowing out to love for people. And we're not putting this one down and that one down and critical here and critical there. He wants us to be women who are after his own heart, that the love of God pours out of us and actually people feel his love when we walk past him. How, how, how wonderful if we could actually be so full of God's love that people feel it as we walk past to feel the love of God. And they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. There's no other hope for this world unless they can see Christ in us. And we are here, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the means to show God's love. We have the means to be mighty women. But the enemy does not want you to fulfill your destiny. He wants you to be so rusted up inside and so full of all these wrong thoughts and ideas and intents in your heart that he can actually rob you like Saul. And here's Saul as an old man. And you know what? Let's look at 1 Samuel 28, and then we're going we're gonna to turn over into 2 Samuel. At the end of this, he turns to this medium, and he asks her to call up this woman. And we saw last week how this woman was so distraught because, you see, she was only used to bringing up familiar spirits. A medium is not someone who can really, truly contact a dead person. There's a great gulf between those who die and, and us. A medium is somebody who goes to demonic sources and calls up an evil demonic spirit who pretends to be the dead person. And the reason that the woman in 1 Samuel 28 screamed was because God overruled the seance. And God overruled and said, okay, on this occasion I'm going to let Samuel come up. And she nearly fainted. She nearly fainted when she saw that God had overruled and actually it was Samuel. And Samuel's last words to Saul, you know what? They were exactly the same as the words that he spoke to Saul here. You see, Saul hadn't changed. He had decided he was going to remain in that fixed position of rebellion towards God. And what did Samuel say at the very beginning when he gave him the message, the very last message he gave him? He said, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. In other words, when you rebel against God, you might as well go to a witch because you're turning away from God and you're looking to the occult. You're looking to Satan. Satan is the occult. Let's not get it. Satan is the, is the witchcraft and the, the fortune telling. So if you rebel against God, 
you might as well go to the occult. And that's what happened here. It worked out. His rebellion remained fixed in Saul. And it worked out at the end. Where is he? He's looking into the face of a witch. That's where it ends up. And I tell you something. I do not want to go out into eternity having rebelled against God's ways and spoken about Christ and, and claimed to be a Christian who loved him and actually been listening to the lies and to the awful voice of the enemy that, you know, just this last week or two, I was telling the girls in the prayer room, I got a, a, a little text sent to me. I'd actually love, if I could, I don't know how, I'm not too, we're not too good here and how to get stuff up onto the screen, but I actually someday I'd love to put this picture up on the screen. It's a picture of a beautiful woman and she's standing with her eyes closed like this, like hands out listening. And there's this ugly monster who's portraying Satan. And he's right into her ear. And she's sitting listening. And you know, when I saw it, the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Because so often the enemy comes. And he comes and he whispers into our ears. And you know what? We listen to him. And often it's fear and often it's condemnation. But very often he's whispering words about somebody else. And he's telling us things to, to really stir up more anger and bitterness and criticism towards those who love God. And you know what? It grieves the Holy Spirit. And so here is Saul at the end of his life. Let's just read it if I can just find it here quickly. It's in 1 Samuel 28. The woman saw Samuel. This is 1 Samuel 28, verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed, You've deceived me, you're not Saul. Don't be afraid, the king told her. What do you see? I see a God coming up out of the earth, she said. What does he look like, Saul asked. He's an old man wrapped in a robe, she replied. Saul realised it was Samuel, and he fell to the ground before him. Why have you disturbed me by calling me back, Samuel asked Saul. Because I'm in deep trouble, Saul replied. The Philistines are at war with me and God has left me and won't reply by prophets or dreams. So I've called for you to tell me what to do. But Samuel replied, why ask me since the woman has left you, since the Lord has left you and has become your enemy? The Lord has done just as he said he would. He has torn the kingdom from you and given it to your ruler, to your rival David. The Lord has done this to you today because you refused to carry out his fierce anger against the Amalekites. What's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow and you and your sons will be here with me. The Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. Saul fell full length on the ground, paralysed with fright because of Samuel's words. The same words that Samuel had spoken to him the last time he had spoken to him. But he hadn't changed. He hadn't, he hadn't listened to God. He hadn't listened to what Samuel was speaking to him. Here's the thing. Saul had turned in rebellion away from God. And he had turned to Satan. And you know what? He was just about to lose everything. Remember the story of David we've been looking at over the last couple of weeks? How in his moment of crisis, which was happening at exactly the same time as all of this was taking place. Two parallel situations. At the same time that Saul was going through this, David was going through his zigzag situation. And you remember he had 
because he had been, Saul had been tormenting him and running after him, he had slipped back from God. And remember, he ended up with ashes running through his hands because Ziglag, where he had been living, had been burned up, and all the wives had been taken, and the children had been taken captive, and the men had turned against him. He was about to be stoned. In his hour of extremity, where did David turn to? He turned to God. And because he turned to God, God spoke to him. Because he, he, he turned to God, he's always this heart that said, Search me, O God. Try me. See if there be any wicked way in me. Lead me in the way everlasting. David always had this heart after God. And because he turned to God in that moment of extremity, God gave him a word. And the word was, Pursue, and you were without doubt. Recover all. What did Saul do? He lost all. Because he turned in rebellion away from God. Samuel had spoken the truth. But David turned to God and he recovered all. And so I just want to really, really encourage you. We're about to move finally into 2 Samuel. And I think there's a couple of beautiful things there that God wants to say to us. But I really feel it's important that all of us know and get this message today. That I believe that God wants to do something in our hearts today that is going to change us from the inside and make us soft, that we will allow God's light to shine into our hearts, that we will have a heart like after God, that we will have a heart that would be a heart that would be pleasing to him. God told David to pursue the enemy and he would without doubt recover all. And here is what Here's what Saul, here's what David wrote in Psalm 18. Psalm 18 was written just after Saul uh, had been, uh, had, had, uh, when it was all sorted between Saul and David. And here is what David said. He said, God reached down from heaven, Psalm 18, verse 16, and he rescued me. He drew me out of deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. I believe that God wants us to see that David's heart was a heart that looked to God and no one else. David's heart was a heart that really sought after God. And in Psalm 18, we see that David wrote these words, verse 28. You light a lamp for me. The Lord, my God, lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He is a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is the Lord except, who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock. God arms me with strength and he makes my way perfect. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. He trains my hands for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. Your right hand supports me. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep me from slipping. That's the opposite heart to the heart of Saul. That's David's heart. That's David's heart that looks to God in the moment of extremity, that looks to God to help him. David's heart pursued God, and that's what God wants us to do today. Now, here's the thing. After, after Saul died, and we looked at this last week, and I wanted to skip over this really quickly. You remember we said that David... <coughs> He didn't get, you know, he, he knew that God had promised him that he would be on the throne. 
But the, his first thought was to honour Saul and Jonathan and the other sons of Saul. And if you remember, I don't think we've actually read it, but we, we can't take time to read it today. But at the end of First uh, Samuel, you'll see where uh, the Philistines took Saul's body and the body of uh, Saul's sons. That would have been Jonathan as well, who was a dear friend of David. And they took the bodies and they actually uh, beheaded them and they put the bodies up on the wall at a place called Bethshane. It's interesting, whenever we go to Israel, most years we go to this place, Bethshane. You can see the ruins of Bethshane. And interesting that that's where they hung the bodies. And uh, some men who, who Saul had been kind to at the very beginning of his reign, men who, who, who thought the world of him because of some goodness he had done to them away back. Isn't it amazing how kindness, we remember kindness, Saul had been a kind person at the very beginning, but he had allowed the enemy to rob him. But these men remained loyal, and they marched all night to take these bodies down. They had the right attitude. They marched all night to take the bodies down and give them a, a decent funeral. And then we look over into 2 Samuel chapter 1, and we see how, how David lamented and cried and uh, gave honour to Saul and to all his sons, and then in chapter 2, you know, let's just look at 2 Samuel chapter 2, and we're going to just finish off in a few moments because I really think we need to, we need to just notice this. After the funerals, after David had composed this funeral song that we talked about last week, and he had commanded this song to be taught to the people of Judah, it was a song known as the Song of the Bow, and it's recorded in the Israeli hymn book at that time. And after he had done that, and after um, everything was over, after he had honoured Saul, in verse, chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After this, David asked the Lord, Should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied. Then David asked, Which town should I go to? To Hebron, the Lord said. I love, I love that translation, but I also love the New King James. It happened after this that David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. So, so David went up there and his wives, Ahenaman and Abigail. We all remember Abigail, the widow of Nabal. And so he brought all his men up with him. And it says in verse 4, Then the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabez-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent out messages to the men of Jabez-Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord, for you have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. And now may the Lord show kindness and truth to you. I also will repay you this kindness because you have done this thing. Now therefore let your hands be strengthened and be valiant, for your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me king over them. I just wanted to finish off with this point. A couple of points, not just one, a few points. When it was all over, whenever the the difficulties of Saul pursuing him and harassing him and hurting him all those years in the wilderness. When it was all done and God had David in exact position to take the throne, we do not see David rising up and saying, I'm the man now. Come on, you need to set me up on the throne. No, he's still, his heart is still in the right position. His heart is still, is still what's the word I've used? The posture of his heart is still towards God. 
And David is waiting for God to lift him and put him on the throne. He's not trying to exalt himself. You know what a lot of our trouble is? We try to get ourselves into position. So often it's all about me, me, and me. And God wants us to trust him because he knows what he wants to do and he knows when he wants to do it. And sometimes we're so keen to get promotion or to get into some kind of a place. We're trying to do it ourselves instead of letting God do it. And David's, the posture of his heart was still right before God. He was waiting on God and he inquired of God. And he said, will I go up? Where will I go? And the Lord told him to go to Hebron and that's where he went to. And it looked as though whenever the tribe of Judah came up. Now you've got to remember that David's tribe was the tribe of Judah. And we've been talking about this today, and I think there's something in this, and I'm going to wind up in a minute or two, but I need to say this to you. The tribe of Judah was, Judah means praise, and we talk about the pride of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah was Jesus Christ himself. And so these men, this tribe of Judah came, and they recognised David as their king. One tribe. And they crowned him, they anointed him as their king, which was beautiful and wonderful. This was the second time he had been anointed. The first time was whenever Samuel did it when he was a young boy. Do you remember that? Whenever he was out in the fields and had to bring him in. He was never running after things. He was never running after. He was trusting God always. His heart was in the field, worshipping the Lord out in the fields and looking, taking care of the sheep, being the shepherd boy. God promoted him, put the oil, told Samuel, put the oil on him and anoint him because he's going to be king one day. And God wants you to know that he has an anointing on your life and that he has purposes for your life. And he wants to promote you and he wants to see you growing. And he wants your heart to be right like David. And he wants you so that he can move you and put you where he wants you. And here's David, and now it looks as though here's the opportunity. He's exactly in position. And this tribe of Judah told him, look, these were good men, Jabez Gilead. These men came and they buried Saul, and he's thankful. And he's sending them a message. And the message really is, I'm extending my hand of friendship to you. He had moved up to Hebron. Hebron means the binding friendship place. His men had been faithful to him through hard times. And now they were with him in the binding friendship place. They'd been faithful and loyal to him in hard times. Now they were going to share with him in good times. And it was whilst he was in Hebron that he sends this message of friendship to this other tribe. The tribe of, the tribe of Benjamin, really. He was extending the hand of friendship and really it looked as though for a moment it looked as though all the tribes were set to come under David's domain that he would be made king over all the tribes. But you know what happened? The enemy had another plan. And we're going to see next week, we're maybe having time to look at it now, we're going to see next week that there was a son of, of Saul who had never heard about before. He came out of the blue. Maybe he was a son of a concubine of Saul's. We don't know. His name was, and I need to be careful saying this because I've got a lisp, Ish-bosheth. <laughs> Ish-bosheth. And we don't hear anything more about him really until this moment. And suddenly he appears on the scene. And his name means man of shame. And Abner, who had been the, the general over Saul's armies, he's a wily military man who's really looking for power for himself. And he decides he's going to step in. Doesn't the enemy use all kinds of people? He decides he's going to send in and he's going to, he's going to announce to all the, to, to the tribe of Benjamin and to all the other northern tribes, he's going to announce that he's a new king after Saul. And all of a sudden, instead of David being king of the 12 tribes, he's only, tribe of, he's only king of one tribe. 
What does he do? Nothing. He trusts in his God to bring about the promise. Do you know what? Sometimes God fulfills his word little by little. It doesn't always happen in one swoop. I'll tell you, it honours God when we trust him and we wait and we don't badmouth. There's no sign of David badmouthing or being even angry with Abner. We'll look further at this next week, but I believe that God wants to speak to us today about keeping our hearts right. And I believe he wants us to know that he is still the lion of the tribe of Judah. That he wants us to know that our hearts are important to him. And that he wants us to know that we don't go to the grave for help. We go to Jesus who has overcome the grave. That's why we're singing this song this morning. I was having my breakfast and I was washing up my cup or whatever at the sink. And that thought came to me so forcibly, don't go to the grave for help. Go to the one who has overcome the grave. We have, we have Jesus, the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, who has prevailed for us that we can live victorious lives, that we can come into the spiritual destiny that he's planned for each of us, and that we can be equipped to be mighty women of God. I believe the time is now for us to get these things sorted. And you know, it doesn't have to be a big, long sorting. You don't have to wait and do penance and wait for six weeks before you're right before God. Do you know, I've been reading, and I'm going to really finish now, but I just want to say this. My readings recently have been, just the ordinary readings of every day have been going through Leviticus. You know the Bible through the year, it does different portions. And I've been reading through Leviticus, and you know what has been hitting me, because it's a hard book to read in many ways, but you know what's been hitting me? How many different sacrifices there were. The sin offering. The guilt offering, the purification offering, the healing offering, um, the, uh, the, the, so many different offerings. It's unbelievable the, the different offerings that were there. The, the one, the wave offering to, for praise, the heave offering, putting your energy into stuff. You know what struck me? The Old Testament, all those offerings were all picturing what Christ would do. And as I read through them and I thought, my goodness, here's an offering for healing in this area and here's something else for guilt here. And, here's... and I thought, God knows how complex we are. He knows all the little complexities and all the little ways our heart can get wrong. He knows all the times we've got guilt when it needs rid of. He knows all the times we need to be purified. He knows all the times we need healing. He knows everything about us. And all those Old Testament offerings, they're just a picture of what Christ did. He completed it all so that we can be pure in all those areas. And we don't have to wait, and we don't have to do penance. We can be clean right now. I love that about God. You know, we can be clean and we can be healed. And God wants us to know what it is to be, to walk before him as women who are clean, women who are pure, and women who walk in healing. And you know what? Sometimes the healing takes a little bit of time to walk through if you get some prayer, and there can be emotional wounds. I know that I have to make that journey myself. And sometimes, but you know, when your heart's in it, the whole journey becomes so beautiful. My journey of healing was probably the most beautiful, precious time in my life. And you know what? He's showing me a whole lot of other areas at the minute right now. And he's saying, come on, let's deal with this stuff. And that's what I want to say to you today. It's an ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because listen, he has a future for you, a hope and a future. And you know what? We have an enemy who wants to rust us up and stay the front.
but we're not going to let him because Christ has won the day and we're going to stand now and we're going to sing this song and we're going to sing it we're going to sing it to his glory and we're going to praise him and thank him for who he is Amen I'm going to read you part of a poem that Louise has written she says I will give thee comfort collect all your tears for I know my child you have suffered for years bottled up inside bound to break free the faint whisper that says let it go it is me. I believe God's speaking to us today. I am your creator, beginning and end. Yet sometimes you can't feel me, but I'm your very best friend. I watch every second of each waking day. The words you feel bounce, I hear when you pray. The hard thing for you is to trust I am there. However how long, I hear your impatient prayer. We need to know we have a God who hears, a God who wants to make things right in our lives. Don't look back. Don't park where you are. Don't allow stuff to settle and become part of you that God wants to take away from you and set you free of. Don't allow the enemy to steal the future and the plans and the ministry and the hope that, that you have that he has given to you. Don't allow the enemy to steal it from you. I'm just reading here something I took down last week. This journey is not for the faint-hearted, but you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Don't disqualify yourself with stinking thinking, but begin to see yourself as I see you, I believe, says the Lord. I see you as a mighty warrior, the overcomer and the child of the King of Kings. Are you getting the message? Are you ready for the adventure of your life with me? Or do you want to be safe and park here? Stay with what this stuff is telling you. Listen to the lies of the enemy. Is that where you want to stay? I love my children, but I don't want them to stay and park. I have so much more for you, says the Lord, if you'll just trust me and walk with me. And finally, just one thing. Be careful how you make sense of your life. What looks like a disaster may in fact be grace. It may, it, may, it may be, sorry, what looks like a disaster may in fact be grace. What looks like the end may be the beginning. What looks hopeless may be God's instrument to give you real and lasting hope. Your father, listen to this ladies, your father is committed to taking what seems so bad and turning it into something that is very, very good. That's the God that we serve. That's what he wants to do. And I believe he's doing it in these days. So as usual, we're here. If you want prayer, please come up. We'd love to pray with you. But we're believing that God is doing something in all our hearts. is counting and going to bring glory to him. Amen.